You're listening to the Harborside Church Podcast. To connect with us online, go to www.harborside.org. We hope you enjoy this message. So, um, if you've got Bibles, please do turn back to Acts chapter 13. And uh, let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this church plant. Thank you as it um, comes near to its first anniversary um, as a new thing in this place. We ask for your blessing um, on us as we pray together, as we read the scriptures together, as we meditate on them and think about them. And we pray that you would speak to us, Lord. You are the God who speaks. And we pray you'd speak into our lives, into our experiences, um, into the settings that you've put us into. And we pray that you would um, set our hearts on fire with love for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the first thing um, uh, I wanted to say is thank you so much uh, to Dave and Pip. Thank you for what you're doing. You are doing something that um, is, in our experience, we know exactly what it feels like to do what you're doing. And um, they are, um, you know, the first year of a church plant is, is the hardest the second year is even harder, um, um, and then it begins to get into, its, um, get into a rhythm. And so you need to pray for them, and you need to encourage them, you need to shower them with blessing and good things, um, give them space, um, give, you know, make sure they're taking time off, that's very, very important. The health and well-being of your leaders is, um, actually will influence and affect the health and well-being of you of your church community. So I um, just want to say thank you and well done. We honor you. We, um, we think you're amazing. And so just thank you so much for, for what you're doing. <laughs> so um, I want to ask you a question. What is the kind of church that you want Harborside to be? What kind of church do you want it to be? We've already experienced this such warmth in here. Um, being here. And, um, you know, as I look at um, empty chairs, it's, um, that is such an encouragement to me because for me, one of the things I, I am, you know, in my experience with these things is praying that the church, that this chair next door to me will be filled with someone next week. And how is God going to answer that prayer? Probably through me. And so, um, Lord, fill that chair and use me to help um, fill it. But, um, you know, so you're a warm church. But I think, you know, as we look at this church of Antioch, um, that is in Acts 13, um, and actually the beginnings of the first mission journey that Paul and Barnabas, Paul is called Saul here, and his name changes when he goes on this journey to, to Paul. Um, you know, we begin to see an inroad into actually what was this church like, and actually I think it's the kind of church that God wants you to be like as well. So what was Antioch? Well, Antioch um, is um, in what today is Syria, um, in the Middle East, uh, then it was one of the most strategic cities in the whole region. So the Romans moved um, the, the capital of the region to there from Alexandria because it was so strategic. It was a culture center. It was a place, a crossroads of trade. It's where the Silk Route um, began, which took um, goods in, um, in and out of China um, and so on. So it was a really, really important place. And um, I'm sure they had good coffee there, as you do here. Um, and, um, but the, the place it has... Uh, in here is that um, Acts 11 tells us that when the Christians were persecuted, being persecuted in Jerusalem, they were scattered all over the place. Some went to Cyprus, and then a group went from Cyprus and Jerusalem to Antioch. 
And it says that Christians were first called Christians in Antioch. It's like that's where they began to form an identity of their own. So they were not just followers of Jesus, not just followers of what they called the way. They called themselves Christians after um, Jesus Christ, who they followed. So what can we discover of this church from these verses? Well, the first thing is that it was a diverse church that welcomed everyone. So just look at the first verse. Now, in the church Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius from, of Cyrene, Menaean, who was brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. So just one, in one verse, packed full of information. So these five people, these five leaders, were from five different places from all over the known world at that stage. So you've got Barnabas. He's from Cyprus. Simeon, who was called Niger. Well, why was he called Niger? Niger uh, or Niger or Nigeria, probably from that region. So he was probably black. He was probably from Nigeria. So again, very different kind of person to Barnabas. Lucius from Cyrene. Cyrene is in northern Libya, so across the northern coast of, um, of Africa. Menaean from Herod's household. So this man would have been brought up and educated in Rome. He might have been from Israel originally, but again, from um, very, very different places. And then you've got Saul, who was brought up in southern Turkey. So um, there is massive diversity in the leadership team. They're from all different places that reflected the city in which they were in. And what it says straight away that this was a church that um, wanted to make a statement to say, we are for everyone here. And so um, one of the things that you'll notice in, in um, leadership is that just because your leaders are young with a family, you will attract young people with families. This is one of the things. What you see is what you can be. You, what you see in front of you is like, I can relate to that. I can relate to that person, so I feel comfortable here. When they saw this leadership team, the people in the church would have gone, I can see me in one of the leaders. And so they would have felt welcome. So straight away, this is a church that's not just diverse, but welcoming to everyone um, around. And this is the gospel. The gospel of Jesus is reflected in this leadership team, that we are to welcome everyone. Everyone should have access to the love of God in Jesus Christ. And you know something? You are such a welcoming church. I had a fabulous welcome at the door. We were handed a cup of coffee within minutes. Um, it's amazing. Uh, there's a church plant that um, was planted in Bournemouth in southern um, England. And one of their rules that the pastor set is that I don't want anyone standing um, in the church for more than three minutes without being given a cup of coffee and offered a pastry of some kind. So that was just their church. And so they, they, they wanted to gear themselves towards welcoming. And so, you know, that is, you know, that's what I see in your church, a welcoming um, church. And why is that important? Well, the theology behind welcome is actually saying God loves you. God welcomes us with open arms. And he says, you're welcome in um, the life of the kingdom. There's an open invitation to you. And I've made that possible through Jesus Christ, who died on a cross, to make it possible for us fallen human beings to be accepted by God, to be forgiven and welcomed into the kingdom of God. And so the Father God says, you are welcome in the kingdom of God if you come to me. 
Remember the prodigal son who the father with open arms runs towards his son. That's a picture of a welcoming um, God. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ, um, the good news of welcome to everyone who um, wants to come close to him. So this church was a diverse church that was a welcoming church, a welcoming environment. So as a church, I want to encourage you with that welcome. It's so important. And to keep on doing that, to keep on saying, come, come and be a part of this. Come um, in and experience the love of God in this place. Um, there's uh, uh, one of the great privileges of being a bishop is that you get to ordain people. And um, uh, the first person I ordained, actually it's the only one so far because I haven't been a bishop long, um, is someone called uh, Emmanuel Christian. Emmanuel was um, born and brought up in Gujarat in um, Western India. And um, as a Christian, he'd, um, well, he'd come to faith himself and he was a church planter. And when I met him, I said, how many churches have you planted in India? And he said, 200 200 churches. Um, so I was kind of impressed. And, um, and I said, I would love to ordain you. Um, and I met him when he was in West London, in a place, that, um, a place called Hounslow, so very close to the airport, um, Heathrow. And um, it's a place which is very Asian and um, uh, lots of um, Afro-Caribbeans as well. And the leadership team of Holy Trinity Hounslow reflected this neighborhood. There were Asians, there were um, Afro-Caribbeans, and there were white English. And um, so as a result of that, the whole congregation was just full of diversity, lots of different people. They saw it in front of them, and so they were able to um, live that out. And Emmanuel Christian, um, was uh, a, he came to join this church, and one of the things that he started doing was to start planting new churches in London um, that were aimed at Gujarati um, uh, people, um, aimed at um, uh, who are mainly from a Hindu background, also Hindi speakers, and um, just went into people. He met them on the street, um, invited himself to their homes, uh, shared the gospel with them, and then they began to encourage their families to come around them, and they came to faith. And it will be household by household, just like in the New Testament. And this is something that is going on um, in, you know, there are so many different ways to, to do church. But from this church that was very similar to this, a bit bigger in terms of its building size, it was doing both church, starting new congregations inside its church, but also encouraging these new congregations in people's homes and households. Again, expressing the diversity, but that welcome to, um, of, of what the church can be like. So we see that here a church that was diverse, that was welcoming. And so I just want to encourage you as you think about this neighborhood. Who are the people that we're not connecting with? How can we welcome them into this church family? Second thing we see here is that it's a purposeful church, seeking what God wants. So you know, one of the biggest questions, I think, of our generation is for direction is trying to work out, you know, what, what should I do with my life? You know, when I speak to our children, when I speak to um, people in their 20s, they're, they're such a confused generation. Um, there's such a fear about stepping out just in case you make a mistake that's going to screw up your life. And um, this is something which is just uh, endemic, really, as, as, uh, as something which is gripping people, where they, they're just con a confused group of people. And what, what they need, what we need, is purpose in life. We need a direction to go in, and we need guidance. 
This is where you know, it's so important for older people um, to be uh, honored in churches, but also because of their wisdom and experience they can bring to younger people. And we see um, that this was a church that was a purposeful church, seeking after God's wisdom. Look at verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I've called them to. So while they were worshiping um, the Lord and fasting. So here we see the leadership team fasting and praying and worshiping. In worship, we align ourselves with God's will. We're basically, whenever we sing these songs, whenever we pray, what we're actually doing is we're saying, God, I want to actually position myself so I'm right with you. If I'm out of kilter with you, I'm actually, um, I'm not doing what I was created to do. If I try and do things on my own, um, I'll, I'll, I'll have a distorted view of, of um, the way my life should go. But when I'm aligned with you, God, I understand actually what you've created me for, who you've created me to be, and, and the purpose for which you've called me to, to, to do in this world. And so that's why worship becomes so important. You know, we say, God, you are first, not me. I am, I'm, I've been created by you as creator. And when I understand that, then things are aligned in my life. Things um, have purpose. And this is what this church leadership were doing. They were, on behalf of the whole church, they were praying. But also that, you know, the church would have been aligning itself with what they were doing too. And in the presence of God, we then discover his voice. We hear his voice speaking. So we see here they were teachers and prophets uh, amongst these leaders. So they taught from the scriptures. But they were prophets. They heard God speaking about specific situations. And here, there's a specific situation that they hear God saying, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for, which the, for the work which I've called them to do. They heard that because they were in that place of worship and prayer. They prayed and God spoke to them. And so this is something, I, again, I want to encourage you as a, as a young church to be people, students of the, the word of God. God has chosen to tell us so much about who he is and how he works and how we should align ourselves with him in the Holy Scriptures. So get into you know, a pattern where you're understanding um, that as you come to church together, pray, God, show us, speak to us and, you know, um, through the, spe- the, the preacher today about you know, what you're saying and what you want for me, what you want for us. And this is a church that was really into that. Um, there's a, a church planter called Ollie, Ollie and Ali, who um, were invited to go and um, explore a church plant in Plymouth, which they were based in London, Plymouth's like down um, in the southwest of the country. And um, one of the things that Ollie had been doing is he'd been meditating on Psalm 127, um, one, one, no, sorry, Proverbs 18, uh, verse 10, which says this, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it, and they are saved. So Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they're saved. He'd been thinking about this, praying over it for weeks. He was kind of um, just meditating on this verse and, and really letting it soak into his life. And when he and his wife went to visit Plymouth, um, they, they did some research online, and they discovered that the motto of the city was this. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it, and they are saved. So um, they thought, this is amazing. Well, maybe God is speaking to us. So when they um, actually went in, one of the um, uh, iconic buildings in, in Plymouth is on Plymouth Hoe, 
um, there's a, a lighthouse, red and white striped lighthouse called Smeaton's Tower. They thought, oh, let's go up to the top of the town. We can look over the city and pray and ask God to speak to us. And as they walked inside the spiral staircase going up the inside of the tower, they got to the top and around the, um, the, uh, the tower um, were written these words, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. They just said, God, you're calling us to come here and build a new church plant, to come and do something new in this city. They experienced God speaking to them. A year later, they were appointed to lead um, St. Matthias Plymouth. It was a church very similar to this. Very few people left in it. They were invited to um, bring a team. They brought a team of um, about six people. But literally within months, they'd grown to several hundred. It was right in the city center. And um, after three years, they'd grown to 500 people. They're making an impact all over Plymouth. They've, um, uh, They've... position themselves so they're actually encouraging other churches to pray, and so they're uniting the church in Plymouth. And one of the things they want to do is they want to plant another church themselves. They want to go to, and they're just in the middle of arranging this, it's an area which is probably the poorest area of Plymouth, where there are just three or four Christians in this whole area. They're saying, we want to plant a church in the midst of that community and bring Christ to that community. They were open to God's leading. They're wanting to say, God, speak to us. Here was the church in Antioch who was saying, God, we want you to speak to us. We want to be a church that is um, led by you. We want to um, know your will, not just for our church, but for our lives. It was a church that um, was purposeful in seeking God's voice and, and, and his will for their, for their future. And again, I want to encourage you to do that. As you, you, know, as you are in this um, uh, Melrose Fund, yeah, please give to that. Just, well, I think it's very brave just saying we're going to cut it off next week. So please give to it. <laughs> um, I want to see that go. I want to hear news that you've given beyond that um, 110,000. Here's why sacrificial giving changes everything. When people give sacrificially, it, it changes the dynamic. It changes the way you, you have ownership of, of this church community. When we kind of give little bits, that's one thing. But actually, if you give sacrificially, you want to, you want to see that um, make a difference. You want to see that kind of land in a, in a good way. So I want to encourage you because that will change you and it will change the heart of this church as you give to it. And obviously, it's going to change the outcome because there'll be some um, benefits of, of what you're doing. So it was... Um, this church, the third thing I want to say is that it was a multiplying church that changed the world. Verse 3, after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on Barnabas and Saul and sent them off. The two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. And when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. And John was with them as a helper. So, This church of Antioch was an outward-facing church. They worshipped, they prayed, they had good coffee, they um, prayed for each other, but they were an outward-facing church in the end because they were positioned to send people out to other places. They were thinking not just about themselves, but thinking about the world out there. And um, I think the extraordinary thing is they sent their best. So... Barnabas and Saul are key leaders in the church. In fact, Barnabas was sent by the apostles in Jerusalem to 
go and help organize and structure the church when it was in its infancy. You've got the key leaders. Barnabas went and got Saul um, from uh, Tarsus to come and help him to do that. They were the very founders of this church, and yet they were the ones who were sent away. So they sent their best. And this is something of God and something of church planting that we've learned, is that God wants us to give our best back to him for the benefit of others, for the growing and, and, um, um, and growing of his kingdom. And why is that important? Well, it makes an impact. It's a bit like sacrificial giving. When you give of your best, it tends to multiply its impact. So when Paul and Barnabas were sent from this church, what happened? Well, you know, if you, um, we haven't got time to read the rest of this chapter. But this chapter alone, they go through the whole of Cyprus, and we have the amazing story of um, Elimus, who is this, um, uh, he is an associate of the proconsul, which is the governor of, of, of the region, um, called Sergius Paulus. And um, Elimus basically is this really putting the governor off um, hearing the, word, the message of God. And Paul says, you know, stop being, you know, you're a child of the devil, you're going to go blind. It's like, and he went blind. It's like, wow, this is it's an amazing story. Um, I don't kind of recommend that. Just, but anyway, if, if you feel called by anyone, let's not go there. Um, but that happened, and, and the, the proconsul, the governor of the region, was so amazed by that miracle um, and amazed by um, hearing the teaching about Jesus that he gave his life to Christ. So the governor, just imagine a governor who is a Roman governor, pretty hard hard character to progress to that level, um, but obviously a great leader, is then influenced, is, is impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ, filled with the love of God, filled with the joy that um, you've been reading about in Philippians. That would have changed the way he led. So the, the whole oversight of that region would have been completely different because he was influenced and impacted by the kingdom of God. God is calling you to be impacted by the Spirit of God by the teaching of Jesus, into the place that he's called you to be. You might be a governor of this area. You might be um, a businessman in the city. You might be um, a community leader in, in this area. You might be someone in your home who knows neighbors around you. God wants to make a difference through you. He wants to impact the people around you through you. Is that going to be hard? It might be, but you need to be totally natural in what you do. You don't need to be someone you're not. Be who you are. Be who God has created you to be. Allow the kingdom of God to flow through you, to impact the way you treat other people, the way you lead, the way you make decisions, the way you do your, um, your working and your family and your um, community life. Individuals were impacted, but also churches were established. Churches like this one that are beginning to reach out to their neighborhoods, become community hubs in those places. That's what the impact all through Cyprus. You know, many of those churches are still around today, 2,000 years later. Then they went into southern Turkey. Um, the letter to the Galatians was written to the churches that were established during this time. There was, um, you know, the part of the impact is that there was quite a lot of opposition to what they were doing. In fact, the first week they're in a place called Pisidian Antioch, which is another Antioch. It's like New York and New York in another place. Um, York and New York. This was Antioch and Pisidian Antioch. Um, uh, it, when they went to Pisidian Antioch, the first week um, they started preaching in the synagogue 
And everyone was really excited about that. They said, oh, we're looking forward to next week. Next week, um, the whole city turns up. And so the Jewish um, leaders of the synagogue get really jealous, and they start stirring up antipathy, to, antipathy towards um, uh, Saul, uh, Paul and uh, Barnabas. So there's a little bit of opposition. They you know, get pushed out of the city. But the interesting thing, look at the end of that chapter. Verse 52, the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. In the middle of that persecution and, and, um, and angst, so this is the impact. Yes, there's opposition, but actually there's something established that's going to last. And those churches lasted and lasted and impacted the whole region. Um, in verse 49, the word of the Lord spread through the whole region. Lots and lots of people got to hear about the love and grace and mercy and forgiveness of God because of this mission. I just want to finish with a story about um, Alex. Alex um, Wood, he um, was minding his own business in London. Um, in 2007, he was invited onto an alpha course. And um, he, uh, he described himself as somewhere between an atheist and an agnostic. Um, he was a, an aggressive agnostic, should we say. And um, in 2007, he said, okay, I'm going to come on alpha, and I'm going to make sure I can disprove Christianity and make as much trouble as I can. Well, God had other plans for him. And um, in the middle of the course, when he was on the weekends where they have teaching on the Holy Spirit, he just said, I was filled with the Holy Spirit, and I experienced the forgiveness of God, and my life totally changed. He became a Christian that weekend. Um, he joined the church, Holy Trinity Brompton, and he um, spent a couple of years there. Um, um, actually, he joined the staff after a while, and he felt called by God to, be, um, to go into the church. So he offered himself for selection. And after two years, he was selected um, to, go, to go and be trained as a, uh, as a vicar. That's like a pastor. So um, at the beginning of his training, he joined a church plant called St. Peter's that was going from London to Brighton. This is a new church with a team of 30 people who, who moved city to go down to the south coast and they established a, um, they went into an old building, which is just, just, had just been closed, and they reopened it. And that church began to grow very quickly with young people, and um, Alex was right at the heart of that leadership team. After five years, he was married to Liz. Um, Liz and Alex um, were um, called to go to plant a church in Portsmouth, along the coast, that way. And um, so they planted Harbour Church, not Harbourside, Harbour Church in Portsmouth. And there wasn't a church building like this available, so they took an old department store that had been closed. They refurbished it, and they, um, they had three floors in the end that were able to um, do with the money that they had. And they met in that, in that building as a church. Harbour Church began to grow um, with young people. So from 2007 through... Um, it started in um, uh, uh, 2000. And so, um, with, uh, so just after seven, eight years, um, Alex had gone from being not a Christian at all to being a church planter who was planting into a city. Within two years, they had then planted two more churches. They'd taken over buildings like this one and sent a team. One of them, Kopner, is where my grandmother and grandfather used to live. Um, and I used to, I've been to that church before, and it was awful. <laughs> and, and this is just about to be closed, this church now. And I say awful because it was just 
dingy and, and dark. And, and they've completely transformed this church. Um, they say 90%, they have something like uh, 80 or 90 people who come um, um, just after a year. And I, I just heard them say recently, 90% of them are not Christians. But they love coming to this church. They love bringing their children. And um, um, the, the church leaders are totally geared towards helping people um, welcome, be welcomed, but also to um, have access to hear about the good news of Jesus in a way that re- they can relate to. These are people who have never been to church before. They've seen a church in their neighborhoods, and they just think, that's, you know, um, I've never thought about going there. And suddenly they, they have experienced a, an invitation, a warm welcome, and something they hadn't experienced before. Now it's not dingy and dark at all. It's full of light. They've painted it, they've put lighting in, and it's an amazing space. And people are, are coming to faith, and their lives are being transformed. So God, if God can do that to Alex, he can do that with anyone. Because Alex, you know, he's an amazing guy, but he wasn't an amazing guy before. So um, what does God want for this church? Because actually, this church, what we see in Antioch, was it was a diverse church that welcomed people. It was a purposeful church where they're saying, we want to seek God's will for um, this church. And that's how they ended up sending Paul and Barnabas. And it's a church that ended up multiplying impact um, on other churches that were created and started because of that desire to send, or that readiness to send others. And God, I think, wants the same for you. He wants you to continue to press into being a welcoming church, not just for you members, but for the whole community. He wants to encourage you to be a purposeful church where you say, God, show us, lead us, help us know which way to go. What are the things which we should be um, aiming at and focusing on? And you're doing that. And um, here's the thing which you might not have um, thought too much about, but I want to encourage you to be a church planting church. Not just a church plant, but be a church planting church. Pray for leaders to be raised up in your midst who you can send to make an impact of what's going on here in other places as well. And it's not just about church. This is all about you as an individual. God wants to welcome you. He wants you to know that welcome. He wants to extend that welcome through you to the people around you. He wants you to know purpose in life, guidance for you, to actually to know where you're going and what you should be focusing on. And he wants to multiply the impact that you can have on your neighborhood. You can have on the people around you or in your business or, or in your community. This is for you. This is the God who wants to impact your life as well. So would you like to stand? We're going to pray. And um, if the musicians could come up as well, that would be great. As we think about this church in Antioch, and we think about Harborside Church now, And I want to encourage you to think about you yourself. I think there's something about just saying, you know, being open to God. And we're going to pray. And I just want to encourage you, you might not be used to this, but this is like body language. I want to encourage you, as you close your eyes, if you're comfortable with that, just to put your hands out in front of you. And in an open posture, because this is about kind of listening to God and receiving what he wants to give to you. And you have the Holy Spirit if you're a Christian, but he wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He wants to fill you with joy, like it says at the end of this chapter. He wants you to be filled with that joy 
And he wants to equip you to make an impact on the people around you. So let's just um, ask him to do that. Lord, we thank you that you're here right now with us. We thank you that you are the God who can impact people's lives, like that consul in Cyprus, like Alex Wood um, that we just heard about, like um, you know, the people we um, know around us. We pray that you would come and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. And just wait. Allow him to fill you. Sometimes you, know, you might feel something that doesn't, I often don't, and so it doesn't matter what we feel. But when we ask, we know that he longs to give his Holy Spirit to us. We just wait. Wait on him. Come, Holy Spirit. as you wait, I want to encourage you just to um, begin to pray for the people around you in your hearts. Just thinking about um, colleagues or friends or family or neighbours. Beginning to say, Lord, please would you draw those people to yourself. you to pray, Lord, would you use me in that process too? Come, Holy Spirit, come and equip me to be a lover of people. this church. We pray that you would help Arborside to be a welcoming church again and again in a greater and greater way to welcome people in through the doors but also to be a church that goes out and welcomes. We pray that you would guide this church. You'd guide the leaders. You'd guide each one of us and that you would multiply the kingdom of God through this church to impact many, many people. In Jesus' name, amen.